You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco and Mark Nortz here, and we're joined now by 2003 graduate and bass player for the Avett Brothers, Bob Crawford. Bob, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure to, to be with you guys. You know, I, I think one of the coolest things in preparing this was looking at some of the really exciting and cool names of people who are associated with Winthrop. And of course, you're at the top of that list. The director of the U.S. Census Bureau is a Winthrop graduate. We, we've spoken to the vice president of communications for the Ravens. Um, just a, a long list of really cool and interesting people from all different backgrounds. What's it like to be a member of that group as a Winthrop graduate? Well, I'm honored, and now I, I know why I receive those Census Bureau emails every day, sometimes three, four times a day. He's doing his job, and he's doing a great job. Um, in in really, uh, could you imagine conducting a census during a pandemic? Uh, so they are, I kind of said that in jest as far as rece receiving those emails, but they have done a, a tremendous job, and, and I was happy to send mine back. Um here's what, when I decided I wanted to go back to school to study music, I was a non-traditional student. I was uh, about 30 years old and I looked around in the area that I lived in Charlotte and I looked around and I wanted to get a, a music conservatory education. And I looked at the different programs uh, that, that were in, in the, in the region and visited Winthrop and after being there probably six months to a year, I realized how lucky I was because this was, um, I guess, a, in a way, a hidden treasure of a music conservatory, right? It wasn't, you know, you don't think of Winthrop University Music Conservatory as being one of the, one of the, 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 the leaders, one of the big dogs uh, in that world. But I really, all my professors were, were at the top of their game and uh, everyone took everything very seriously. And I, I've learned every day I use something that I learned at Winthrop in, in my profession. Uh, you, you came by a couple of years ago and you, um, you conducted a master's class. And I remember like people were talking and they were thinking that you were going to do a master's class on um, bass playing and, and music, but you actually did it on the music industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that, like how you came about um, becoming like a business person in the profession that you really love? You know, something that Scott Avett uh, said to me years ago, a long time ago, was this attitude of don't think of yourself as a bass player. Think of yourself as someone who does a job and the tool you use to get that job done is the bass, like the plumber's wrench um, and the idea of being a tradesman. And I think that that's a good way for us all to think about ourselves because you don't want to be defined by your career, right? That's so. That's such a, a trapping of life. Is we we spend years and we're very ambitious, and you go to college, and then you you get out and you you want to have a career, and then you get in the career and you want to move up and you want to move up and up and up, and there uh, could be an emptiness there. Um, as the more successful you get, in whatever your chosen field is, uh, there could be a spiritual emptiness. And so this idea of, right, you can't avoid connecting your, you know, your sense of self with what you do for a living. Like that's aspirational to not do that. But um, the idea of 
of, hey, don't limit yourself to saying, well, I'm, I'm a bass player and that's what I do. Um, I think it's just kind of an idea, just a way of thinking about about things and careers. Like even today, you know, we aren't going to play music for a while. And that's, that's scary. You know, I really, I believe, like we have gigs on the books for July, but I, I tell you, my personal assessment, and I base this on, I don't base this on any conversations with promoters or venues um, or management, but I don't see it happening, right? I don't see it happening until next year. I don't see it happening until the fall of 2021 at the soonest. Now, I wouldn't put much stock in what I say, but that's just my mentality at this moment, trying to be a realist. So I'm sitting here thinking, if somebody makes a call in the next three months, hey, we're down, 2020 is the lost year. Well, what I what do I want to do? You know, what? how do I want to, you know, what project do I want to work on? Uh, how do I want to maybe potentially earn a living, um, depending how long this thing uh, goes? And so I look to, I do the podcasting. I'm one class away from getting my master's in history. Um, you know, so this idea of just thinking of yourself as a bass player, yeah, that's a role I play. It's an important role. When I'm doing it, I'm 100% uh, focused on it. But let's all not just try to have this sense of self by one but by, by one thing that we do, you know, even if it is the thing that puts food on the table, puts gas in the car, you know, I think this idea of just thinking more, more broadly about our humanity and our experience uh, is, is helpful. Well, I, I sure hope you're wrong about the time frame of when we might have concerts again, especially as you're talking to two guys who just really love music. You guys were supposed to be on tour right now, weren't you? Yeah, we would be leaving right now for about a ten-day run, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we would have we we ended last year Thanksgiving, and then we did our Dominican Republic festival, which was at the end of very end of February, which we're so glad we got that in because that allows our crew to be paid for a couple months. Um, and then we would have done a weekend at the beginning of April, and then this would be kind of the start of our of our year in earnest. Um, and this week we canceled June and now we start like July 2nd or 3rd, but I just don't, I don't know. I I don't, are you going to have 9,000 people at Red Rocks, um, for three nights, 27,000 people in three nights in one place? I don't know. Uh, Um, earlier this morning, we, uh, we talked to, um, one of your teachers, your former teachers, Dr. Uh, Scott Huffman. So, so wait, hold on. Let me like hold that thought. <laughs> let me say I am one class away from getting my, my master's in history. Like finally, because it was at Winthrop that I took a politi- political, well, his political science statistics class, his polling statistics class. And I took another, uh, civics, civics class. And, um, and I really about, I was about a semester or two away from graduating when I, I wanted to be a political science major. <laughs> and so Scott's the best. He's awesome. I love him. Yeah. So that, I guess that was my question. You answered my question. Like, you know, how did that influence you? Cause we noticed, um, on, uh, on your, uh, your website that, uh, you have, uh, the road to now 
And can you tell us a little bit about that and, and how Scott has played a, a part in that? He's he's one of our experts, right? He's a lot of people's expert because he is he is the polling. Maybe he is the polling guy in the country. Like he's the guy. Who's the guy you want to talk to about polling? Who's the guy you want to talk to about polling in the South and polling the South? Well, that's Scott Huffman, hands down. And I'm so appreciative that he is always gracious and willing to come on and share his expertise with us and his insights. But we began a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Ben Sawyer, who is a lecturer in history at Middle Tennessee State University, began this history podcast in uh, May of 2016. So we're coming up on four years. We've done about 175 shows. Out of that, we've done another 25 theology, or we call it Road to Now Theology uh, podcast. And then I just began uh, a politics um uh, it's called the Politics of Truth, Politics of Truth, and it's a, focused on the 2020 campaign, and it's the intersection of music and politics. So we talk about the campaign, but we also talk to musicians, and we were talking to musicians about how they use their voice, how they use their platform to advance issues that are important to them. Um, that's changed over the past few weeks. Now we're talking, we are talking about the campaign, even in the uh, altered state that it sits at this moment, but we're talking to musicians about how, how they're getting by, you know, how, how is this affecting them psychologically? How is this affecting their songwriting, their profession? Um, we're all in a, this similar boat. We've all found this world of zoom, right? We're all now connected via our screens. I mean, we were already connected via screens, but I mean, but this is this, uh, this weird new reality. And the, if you will, I don't know, uh, talking with um, a guy named Langhorn Slim earlier this week uh, for a Politics of Truth that will air later today or tomorrow, it was uh, warm. You know, you think about the coldness of communicating via screens, but talking to Slim, uh, such an old old brother, like a, this friend, this guy who, if we were near each other, we'd give each other big, long hugs. And to see him on the screen, it... um there was an emotion, there was motion, you know, we felt emotion. And in fact, we my family's been doing our church service online, like I'm sure many people out there do. And seeing all your church family on the on the zoom screen, it's it's bringing this these emotions up. And I think it's a place that I personally thought I would never get to uh, with uh, emotionally with with screens. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here with you, and we're speaking with Bob Crawford, a member of the Avett Brothers and a 2003 graduate of Winthrop. Do you have a quintessential or a favorite Winthrop moment that you look back on and you think, you know, that's, that's what I remember most from my time here in Rock Hill? One of the first, the moment I knew I had, so I had a career. I worked in film and video production. I was a tech. I worked uh, at that point in audio um, in the sound department. And, but I had, I was a production assistant in the grip electric and I kind of went through the departments. I was, my last stop kind of was in the sound department. And I left that to come back to school to study music. And I remember my first few times on the practice room floor in the music building. 
And you walk through these, you know, walk through down the hallways of the practice room floor. And you hear, you walk by one room, there's a French horn playing scales. You walk by another room, someone's practicing a piano concerto. You walk through by another room, someone's uh, playing trumpet. And just that, right? Just that, just being around that in that environment where you were in that practice room for four to six to eight hours a day. I remember sometimes going there at night, you know, on a Sunday night at seven o'clock and walking out at midnight at 1 a.m. Um, that's the, that was the gold of that experience. Not to mention, of course, all the, all the actual knowledge, but, um, but that, that was being in that environment. So for a young person, you know, and I was older when I got in that environment, but for someone who's 18 or 19 entering that world, I've really, uh, that makes me excited for them. So like we're doing this, uh, all these series of interviews because we can't have everybody together for Winthrop Day. But if you were at Winthrop and we were over in the in the Lois Rames West Center and we've got all these incoming freshmen milling around, what would your uh, message be to them as far as why they should come to Winthrop? I would say, well, I kind of wish the question was, imagine they were freshmen and it was the first day of classes. What would you say to them? And if that was the question, which it's not, it is now, <laughs> I would say, don't, don't you mess this up. Just focus on the, focus on the, the information, focus on the knowledge, focus on the camaraderie, enjoy every moment. It'll slip by, but don't get sidetracked. Do not get, there's so many things to get sidetracked by. Do not get sidetracked. But if they were thinking of a place to go, I would say, look, this is a department where you can shine. This is a department where you're going to get first, most importantly, you're going to get all the tools you need to move on to the next step, whatever that is. Like you're going to acquire the knowledge that puts you at at an advantage in the job market and in the world. Second, that, uh, the, the size of this school, um, not to mention it sits on a nice patch of land, right? In the fall, it's just in spring, it's just a beautiful place to be. Um, but you, you got all the resources you need to succeed here and the size allows it to be digestible, you know, and, and to be where you, you know, everybody, uh, and the size presents someone who is, uh, ambitious and eager to kind of, uh, to, to get that, that time on the stage, that, that, that time to, um, develop their individuality and, and see how far they can take their art. I got to ask you a music related question. Do you have a, a memorable story about being on tour or an experience that being, a a musician has taken you to a place that, that you've gone that you wouldn't have imagined just because of uh, your role, you know, as a musician. Yeah, there no doubt. I think the the experiences that, and we always say this, like these experiences don't make your career. They don't make your career as far as, you know, the legacy of the Avett brothers or, or the um, determine the success of the band over the long haul. But I'm I'm convinced the the things that you remember most, other than the this the simple beauty of we, hey we get to do this, like we get to walk out on stage and do this how and and doing it for 20 years now, so how blessed are we? But it's it's sharing the stage with Bob Weir, 
from the Grateful Dead or sh- or playing with with John Prine who just passed away getting to play playing on stage with him having him uh not at me to, to take a guitar solo I'm a bass player I'm, I'm up there playing guitar with him and I took a so he encouraged me demanded I took a solo and those little things those those moments with your idols um th- those are the things that that I'll always cherish and I'll never forget so you're glad that you didn't switch to uh, political science and you stuck with music. No, well, I, I get to do it now. So this is the next act, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, one of the things we've, we've talked to a lot of people about is um, music has been getting them through this time. So maybe this is sacrilegious, but um, we're asking people what their pandemic playlist is. And I'm wondering... Can you exclude any Avett Brothers songs from your pandemic playlist? What would you What would you put on your playlist? You know, it's funny. We did an, an interview today for a guy who wrote a book about the Kinks, the band the Kinks, um, a, a historian um, who wrote a book about the Kinks, which is really an interesting. Um, he really places them in a historic context, and it was ironic because two things. I told my wife this a couple weeks ago during times of great crisis and emotional stress, I don't listen to songs with words. I can't for some reason. When my daughter, my daughter had a brain tumor and went through this very traumatic experience, I listen to classical music or jazz. I can't. I can't do it. And a lot of people go to Aver Brothers songs because of that, because they're suffering the loss of someone or we're going through a really hard time and it's those words that get them through and I don't I don't doubt they do but for me it's always been different I don't know I don't know what it is about me so we so flash forward to when this the pandemic came and this is on the heels my my father passed away 2 weeks before the pandemic hit and I um and in fact it it's felt like the beginning of the pandemic felt like the world changed when he passed and that with the with the pandemic, it was never going back to how it was. And it felt almost suspended in animation, if that makes any sense. So I was driving around one day, and this is like when the school's being canceled, and it's all kind of, we're all realizing that life as we knew it is over. And I would have almost these these panic attack moments or, you know, where you see tunnel vision and my, my heart, my chest would get tight. And maybe the first or second week of, of the lockdown, I was a beautiful day. I was outside doing some yard work. And it was um, I was like putting together Anirondack chairs that my wife bought months ago. And there's an, you know there's instructions and it's an assembly and it's kind of like you it's like putting together Legos with with my son. It's like you put your brain aside and you follow the follow the directions. And so anyway, long story short, I looked on my phone and there was nothing I wanted to listen to. Then I came across um, the Kinks' "Come Dancing," which is part of this uh, collect- greatest hits collection. It's like "Come Dancing" with the Kinks, and it's a collection of their greatest hits. And um, I put that on, and that was like an old friend, man. I just because I, I used to listen to it a lot many years ago. And this is before I knew we were going to do this interview about the Kinks, but but that was just, I mean, and it's like low budget and Lola and Do It Again and course come dancing and paranoia like paranoia destroyer and all anyway that that was um the closest i've gotten to a pandemic playlist uh because 
of two things. One, the Scott and Seth have sent me a bunch of songs, so I'll be putting bass on songs starting tomorrow. And the other thing is I'm, again, I'm in my next to last class for my master's. So, you know, with kids, you either have time to listen to music or you have time to read. And I have, uh, my life has been taken up with reading European history and writing papers for the past six weeks. Bob, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Man, it was my pleasure. I wish you guys uh, health and the best as we move forward. That was Bob Crawford, a member of the Grammy-nominated band The Avett Brothers and a 2003 graduate of Winthrop University. This is the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day.